Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Auburn Express. Powered by the Wall Report. All aboard the AM departure from Platform 334, the Auburn Express. We're running on time and expecting no hiccups. Doing the work, hard work, to bring you the best Auburn sports content. What's up and War Eagle War Report family, it's your guy Ike Jones. We are here with another weekend tailgate brought to you by show sponsor Golden's Cast Iron. Auburn takes down Vanderbilt on the road slash at home. Anyway, we'll talk about it right here on the latest edition of the weekend tailgate. Mike. Uh, you were on the post game for a little yes. bit. Um, got an opportunity to talk a little bit about that. I was not on post game. Mm. I was at the game. Um, but before I get into my soliloquy about all things Vanderbilt, do you have any additional thoughts now that you've had the benefit of some time to go and reflect about them? Yes. Auburn had to win this one, obviously. I said that all week. Um, this was a game they could not afford to lose. Uh, Vanderbilt was is bad. I tweeted it out. I said on the show, they were bad, bad. They showed themselves to be bad, bad. But what you do with bad teams is you dominate them. And defensively, Auburn did that. Only eight points allowed on defense is for any power five team is nuts. One score of the whole game. Great, great job by Ron Roberts and his crew. And, and let's be clear, that one score actually came against the backup uh, defensive. Unit. Yeah. Like, I don't know if how many people realize, mm-hmm. but we had subbed our backups in for that drive. And then they uh, they put them back, they put the starters back in. It was like, all right, uh, enough of that. That drive didn't. Yeah. Play. But anyway. Um, uh, underscoring what Hugh Freeze has said about the defense, good but not deep, right? So, uh, you know, the pick at the end, I think it was Nehemiah Pritchett got the pick. Um, mm-hmm. Continues the turnover streak for Auburn. That group has continuously found ways to keep Auburn in games and help them win, you know, a lot of the five games that they've won. So, cool shout out to that group. Uh, you know, offensively, you know, I, they did what they needed to do, and it was about what I expected. Uh, somewhere in the 30s, you know, I have predicted 35 points. They scored 31. Um, this game, again, offensively and defensively went about how I expected. What I was, was happy to see, the division of snaps between run and pass a little closer to what I thought this season would be. And it's taken them, I mean, I guess maybe the opponents have dictated it. I, you know, I plan to ask you, Freeze you know, in, in an upcoming presser, but 27 throws, pass attempts to 37 runs. 
Jarquez Hunter had a huge day, man. You've got to be happy for that kid, given the way the season started. He was supposed to be a top five back in the SEC this year and has suffered from the overall offensive struggles, in my opinion. Uh, now, some of it may be on him, but you know he missed the first game of the season and then no flow to the offense, running or passing certainly has hurt him. So to see him bust out, um, man, if they had, if not for the hold at the end, would have eclipsed 200 yards running on the day. That was fun to watch. He was he was an absolute pleasure to watch run the ball on on Saturday. Uh, so you know, kudos to them. Look, a win is a win. And at this point, I think that you can't really look at it any other way. The end of the season, you're not playing for the West. Not playing for a conference title, and you all but solidified a bowl game with this win because you got New Mexico State left on the schedule, a game that you absolutely should be favored to win by 150%. Uh, so, you know, congrats to those kids, man, on the win on the road at Vanderbilt. You were there. I'm sure you'll share your thoughts. Yeah. It's like, all right. the scissor lift okay? <laughs> I had no, no issues with scissor lift um, <laughs> video guys out there. All right. So let me start with the things I want to say about our team before I get into my experience. Mm -hmm. uh, great win for the guys. Sloppy at points, but great win. It's a win that you're supposed to have. This is a team in Vanderbilt that had given other teams problems, right? Like, they are always playing the underdog role. They're always going to go out there and try to give you their best shot. They came out early, first drive, and it was looking like, okay, here we go. But then missed field goal. Auburn gets the ball back two plays later, score. And I was like, all right, we're about to get into this for real. Another drive, another score, 14-0. And I'm like, oh, man, we might just mop them this entire game. This is going to be silly. Uh, got into some sticky points there in the middle of the game. Came back out after the halftime. We got a field goal. And again, offensive onslaught. Very proud of what I saw from the team overall. Now, there were some issues, and we'll get into grades uh, later on in the show. But absolutely great win for Auburn. I don't care who the opponent, opponent is. You want to be able to see. See, now we got to talk about the construction zone. Mm -hmm. Whatever just happened to Mike G means I got to get into the construction My zone conversation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's no dogs to blame for the construction zone that happened at Vanderbilt that we're going to talk about. But listen, man, absolutely great win. I love, because here's the thing. Auburn had not, I've been saying this leading up to the game. I need to see Auburn play well on the road. I don't care who the opponent is. I need to see us play well on the road. And they went and handled business on the road. Kind of. <laughs> okay. The reason why I say kind of is not because of the performance, but because of the turnout from the crowd of Auburn faithful. It was literally, it felt more than 50% of the mm. crowd was Auburn. Like, they already divide the stadium pretty much half and half where there's a home side and a visit. It's very high school, but a home side and a visitor side. But even on the visitor side, there was a large contingent of Auburn fans over there. Auburn fans showed up and basically turned this game into a quasi home environment. When I say uh, the way that Vanderbilt, before I get into the things that are extremely weird about that whole situation, the way that Vanderbilt has their press box set up, which is wonderful. We're actually on the 50-yard okay. line. like We can see it from the side view, but they have the things where you can open up the windows and actually hear the, the actual crowd noise, right? When something good would happen for Auburn, 
it would be a bigger cheer than good things happening for Vanderbilt. It was absolutely a takeover of that stadium. First Bank Stadium is now Jordan-Hare North or something because they absolutely took over that stadium, and it was wonderful to see. All right. Again, we'll get into the specifics of breakdowns of grades, but now I have to talk about this stadium. You guys remember when I talked about how ridiculous the Vanderbilt basketball arena was? Yeah, I remember oh, yeah. <laughs> This stadium experience rivaled it. It just oh, did. Man. It was, so first and foremost, I think I understand the overall plan of what they're attempting to do mm. here with their athletics area on campus. But to get into their football stadium, we had to enter through the basketball arena and then come back out into the back entrance to get into the stadium. It was it was like it was the most ridiculous thing in the world. So you walk through and you go around down this. Oh, my God, I don't have it upstairs at some point in time. I'm going to tweet out a picture potentially. I don't know if I'm going to do this for real. But there's a there's a, a a handout that they gave us once we finally made it to the press box. If you guys are on Instagram, I did a little Instagram story of me. I had to we had to walk through the back entrance in the basketball arena, cross over the field, like literally walk across the field, and then go into this little back area up a elevator to get up to the press box. Right? Ridiculous just to start with, just to get there. But what I was gonna say is they gave instructions of how we would get to the post-game press conference. And I kid you not, if you are a gamer, this felt like I was on a quest for a game. It was like, go take the secret tunnel to the such and such, and then you unlock the pathway to get, it was, I mean, it wasn't that extreme, but it was so ridiculous, the level of things we had to do to get to this construction trailer that was out behind the, uh, the stadium for us to be able to do the post-game press conference. I did tweet out a picture of where we were doing the post-game press conference. They had, and I, that's, this is not me making jokes. It literally was a construction mm. trailer. Like they had the, the work vests, the hard hats, all of that. It was crazy. We were doing the player interviews afterwards in the parking lot, essentially in, in folding chairs, just sitting out in the parking wow. lot. Um, it was crazy, man. Like, I was just like, yo, the, the city of Nashville should do better for y'all, man. Like, let y'all use the Titan Stadium or something, yeah. bro. Like, you can't tell me they don't have a better solution than having people come into this construction zone. Like, it's it was absolutely nuts. Um, weirdest experience I've ever had covering a football game. I will say they had a nice spread for us to eat. So they still are, are doing okay on the food. But good Lord, mm. man. And it's not, it's not really Vanderbilt's fault. They got to deal with what they got to deal with. Um, but I don't know, man. They got to figure something like, and it, it doesn't look like it's progressed at all. It's like during the week when they don't have games, they're just not working at all. They're like, ah, season started now. We not. I don't know, man. Like, guy up there on the scissor lift, shooting the daggone end zone view of the stuff. I was just like, Yo, what are we doing? Yeah, that's very, very old school. That's very old school. Uh, Auburn, uh, obviously, you know, won the game, you know, from your vantage point, you know, uh, being at the game, um, you know, what did, what did it look like on the field in real time in terms of offensive flow? Like, yeah, I mean, so 
it listen, it got muddy for me, yeah. right? Like it just it seemed as if, and I almost tweeted this during the game. It seems as if either Jarquez Hunter was gonna break a run for 40 plus or he was gonna get stopped behind the mm. line of scrimmage. Like it was very Jekyll and Hyde as far as our ability to be able to block the run. But Vandy did what you would expect teams to do, and I expect Arkansas to do it again next week, which is they got busted in the run, and so they just started run blitzing like every single play. It was just like, we're going to send additional guys downhill versus the run consistent. This is the same thing Coach Freeze talked about last week of why um, it was harder for the offense to move in the second half versus Mississippi State. Mississippi State was just like, all right, we're just going to sell out against the run. Y'all going to have to figure out how to throw the ball. Now, the good thing is Peyton Thorne was actually standing in there and delivering, but receivers weren't taking advantage of those opportunities. I think we had five or six drops in that game, and all of them, the deep shot to Tavar and the deep shot to Cam Brown, uh, not, excuse me, not Tavar, excuse me. Tavar, deep shot to, um, to Amari and the deep shot to Cam Brown are one of those depends on how you view it type of situations as to whether or not it was, you know, difficult catch. I think both of those were very catchable passes though, and should have been caught. Um, I think, I think Cam Brown misjudged his and Omari, I think just, I don't know what happened on here. Cause his was a dime. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Was, I mean, it was, it was more than catchable. I mean, it was, it was the, it was as easy as a catch as you'll get at this level. Yeah. Hey, I mean, he should, he should have been at the house. Yeah. He should have just caught that one and kept running on to yeah. the house. But, um, but yeah. And then the couple drops that VAR had were weird because both of, I mean, like there's really no excuse for it. There wasn't even like momentum things. It was just like the, the Valdo drops were weird. Like I was just like, yo, what are we, what are we doing out here? So it was, it was very mixed because they had the right answers for the blitzes that were coming, but then we still didn't do what we needed to do on the other end of that. So I think Peyton Thorne, man, his adjusted completion percentage is somewhere in 80 something percent for that game. Um, but then you get the ridiculous interception that he throws, right? Like he did all of these great things and then he throws an interception where you're like, what was that? Yeah. So I, it, it was just, it was very weird. It was a very weird game where Auburn dominated but then they kept doing stuff to keep Vandy in the game at the same time. Like they gave Vanderbilt every opportunity they could to come into, back in the game. But Vanderbilt, as you said, bad team. So they couldn't take advantage of the multiple opportunities we gave them mm. to be able to get, claw their way back into that game. You know, pro football focus uh, record and listen, they are very strict on what they define as a team. So when they say you have a bunch of drops, you had a bunch of drops. <laughs> Um, because they factor in a lot of things. And they had five drops on the day for Auburn receivers. Why that's significant is, I mean, instead of going 17 for 27, then you have, you know, a quarterback that's going 22 for 27 if you make those. And that's, you know, that jumps you from, like you said, 62%, like 80%. It would have been as adjusted. Uh, so this was one of the, this was the first game where I, I really thought you know, your receivers had a bad day. <laughs> um yeah. Because of the type of drops, they were wide open uh, plays. And regardless, they threw the ball more in this game than they have in just about any other Power 5 game they played this, this season, 27 attempts. Um, they have not thrown the ball at a high clip. So there haven't been a ton of opportunities. But over the last two games, I, there have been opportunities here for the receivers to make plays because they tried to throw the ball. So being north of 25 attempts, we talked about this 
you know, earlier in the week, we talked about it at the pregame, uh, being able to throw the ball with a at a certain volume with a career 62-something percent completion percentage quarterback uh, means you've got to get the yards and volume with Peyton Thorne and then accept the mistakes that will come with that. So the pick six is unfortunate, right? But yeah. if he's for, for what he did for the rest of the game, even though you absolutely cannot throw that ball, I mean, it was, it was, that ball had no zip on it. A throw to the flat, like, with no, you know what I mean? Across the field, with no power. I mean, it, it was pick six. It was a pick six type of yeah. ball. Now, it was, you're it, dreaming about it was, if you're it a was DB. Terrible. Yeah, if you're a DB, yeah. like, it, it was you terrible. hope a quarterback throws a ball like that at least once in your career. Um, and that particular DB took advantage of it. But uh, for the rest of the game, what he did for the rest of the game, I think they're willing to accept the mistakes if he throws a couple more touchdown passes. I mean, and so we're clear, man, this game really was about Jarquez Hunter. Right? Uh, yeah, I mean, he was definitely 100, the story. 183 yards on the ground, two TDs. Um, Shout out to the offensive line, man. The offensive line, um, they they executed. And as, as when he got Lou to the second level, it was he, – he, you know what? Hey, Connor Lou has definitely – here's, here's where I hesitate to say he's making a difference. Okay. We aren't playing the elite teams defensively. Mississippi State's got a good defense. But he's doing what he's supposed to do, right? right? He's not playing like a freshman. I will say that for sure. Um, he's not making a ton of mistakes in snap. The the thing I think, and and people can we can debate this. The thing I think that he's done better than Avery Jones is not having the snap infraction stuff, not having the the penalties, mm -hmm. right? He's staying mostly mistake free, um, but he is doing what he's supposed to be doing. There. And he's not hurting the team in any way on the uh, on the opportunities that we have out there. But he's not been flawless, right? Like again, it's it's been feast or famine, right? Like it's either really well executed or it's really poorly executed. So some of that stuff comes down to the experience of Connor Lou. But I love the prospects of Connor Lou in the future for this offense. He's going to be amazing. Yeah, um, it's interesting. Uh, so, you know, a lot of people have noted Vince. Uh, he has taken over there that it seems like there's an improvement on that offensive line, especially in the way that they're run blocking. Uh, so, mm -hmm. you know, if you're Hugh Freeze, um, you know, maybe again, you've got your guy of the future. For possibly. sure. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt in my mind. There's, there's, if, if we're talking about projecting forward to the future, there's no need to go to the portal for center. You're good. Right. Right. Yeah. So it, it, it's, to me, it's just been, it's been one of those things where I'm looking at it and I'm, uh, find some pieces. Uh, so uh, pro football focus had Connor Lou graded out as the second best offensive lineman on Saturday. Cameron Stutz graded out in front of him at a 72.9. Lou came in second at a 71.4. Um, I don't know how to say this without just saying it, but the tight ends have not done a good job blocking this year at all. Oh, no. I mean, yeah. I don't think that there's anything yeah. about whether or not our tight end blocking has been. It's not very good. Receiver blocking has been bad. Um, you yeah. know, the, everything on the exterior, and this is something I've talked about on Watch the Film Sessions, like the way you typically get the long runs is when you have good exterior blocking or good downfield blocking. The benefit that we have had is that Mississippi State and um, now Vanderbilt have decided they're going to commit so many guys close to the line of scrimmage that if we get the blocking done up front right, there's nobody left back there. Right. Like he doesn't, he didn't have, he's, he, 
all he has to do is they, uh, execute the first level block, and he's just got to make one guy miss or break a tackle, and he's off to the races. Nobody's playing a straight up anymore. They're just like, all right, cool. We're just going to send everybody we can in there into the middle. Mm. And if they miss, it's over. Yeah. There's nobody left. There's no, there's no deep safety help. There's no DBs to the backside. There's none of that. Yeah. So he's, that's why you've seen those long runs. They've committed so many guys close to the line of scrimmage that it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it, it has got to be, I think, one of those things where you lean on Jarquez Hunter, you know, moving toward the end of the season here, I think, you know, because you got to, you just got to win at this point um, and, and build some belief headed into the iron bowl. Like that you can, that you can win that game. Uh, and, and I think that's what they need to accomplish in the next two games. I'll find a way to beat Arkansas. Um, you know, you get to New Mexico state, you have another cupcake, but you know, what I've seen so far uh, through these games that Auburn has played is, is that I, in all honesty, I don't know if Auburn's, starting quarterback for next year is currently on this uh, uh i mean it, it'd be difficult to envision a scenario where two if not all three of these guys aren't even on the roster them anyway right so, so you'd be leaning on a red shirt freshman if you're talking about someone currently mm -hmm. on the roster to be able to come in and start and i i haven't heard any reports out of anywhere that say oh man this kid hank brown looks like the future i mean he's playing scout team for the most part right now so i don't know how to project forward what he could potentially be based upon him not really getting any opportunities in practice to show anything. right right so you know it, it it has to be show some proof of concept of what you're trying to do from now toward the end of the season um Hugh Freeze's offense and you know old miss they they average like 450 pass attempts a, a season there Auburn is tracking for 290 pass attempts this year. So, uh, you know, even at Liberty with Malik Willis at quarterback, they were well north of 300 pass attempts with a quarterback who was a dynamic runner. So to come in under that, I think, says that you're not running the type, you're clearly not running the type of offense that you have run your entire career. Um, and right. you haven't shown that so far this season. So, like, what point? You only have a few more games to show it. To get it on tape, right. and, and and four if we count the bowl game, because this team will make a bowl game. Uh, yeah. Who that bowl game will be against? Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of people were saying uh, that it might <laughs> Auburn versus UCF. I, absolutely, <laughs> I, 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 I don't. I don't know if UCF is going to make a bowl game, Mike. <laughs> I haven't been paying attention. <laughs> listen, I, listen. When I say, and I mean this, and people thought I was just being petty about Bo Nix, I wish all the best of luck to anybody who used to be at Auburn and I want them to do well. Mm -hmm. I do not keep up with people once they stop wearing uh, orange and blue. I just that's, don't. That's like, fair enough. But right now, they're four and five, and their last two game, three games are Oklahoma State. They just took down mm -hmm. Oklahoma. That's, that's Texas tough. Tech and Houston. So they've got to win. Oh, that's three tough games. They've got games. to win two out of the next three to win a bowl game. That's a bowl three game. tough games. Yeah, so wow. if you were hoping for the Auburn versus UCF matchup, you better start uh, doing a rain dance for Gus Malzahn because I don't, I don't know if that's happening. Uh, I, okay, so again, you were at the game. Um, you were in the post game. Hugh Freeze had said earlier this season that he wanted to take more time to soak in the wins. I'm paraphrasing. 
after the wins, and you know they're so hard to come by at this level. What was his mood in the post game? Was it was it upbeat? Was it a win as a win? Was it you know obviously we have some things to clean up? Like what was his post game mood like? I mean, it was definitely, hey, we did some good things, but we have some things that we need to get better with, right? Like he wasn't happy with the drops that we had. He wasn't happy with the penalties that we had. He realized they left a bunch of points out there, right? And so when you're in a position where you feel good because you did a lot of good things, but you see so many like obviously fixable and egregious things that are out there as well, it's kind of mixed. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, hey, uh, we, we could have done better. And But this, this is probably, in my opinion, one of the better outcomes that Auburn could have had for this game, and this is why. You go out there and you get a convincing win that was never really in doubt, but you still have coachable moments that you can go back to guys and say, see, if we improve this and this and this and this, see how much better a team we are, right? Like you... You, you don't do so well that you allow the players to rest on their laurels, but you do well enough to handle business and you don't feel bad about your dub, right? Like you go to, you go to Cal and you feel good that you got the win, but you don't feel good about that win. Mm. You, you feel satisfied that you won, but you don't feel satisfied with anything really that happened in that game. You go to Vanderbilt and you feel good about the win because you, you won handily but you have enough coachable moments that allow you to still coach guys hard going into a hostile environment in Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. I, I think to see what they do here um, uh, with the offense moving forward again, Peyton Thorne, it appears to me, he's your starting quarterback going through the end of the season. So the Robbie Ashford versus Peyton Thorne debate for the rest of this season in my mind is over. I don't know that it was ever really a, the debate. Well, let me, let me speak for the war. Right. The debate internally here was if you're going to call the game plan in this correct. way, then you're not using the correct quarterback for that game plan. The b debate externally was something way yeah. different. And I don't, I, I'm not speaking on what anybody else has now that they've pivoted in the direction of we're going to run our up-tempo offense. We're going to throw the ball mm -hmm. more. I think you're right with the guy that you brought in to do that. There's literally no, uh, this is how we thought the offense was going to look from the beginning, which is why if you listen to everything we said preseason, Peyton Thorne was going to be the starter. This validates that because you're playing football the way that it fits what Peyton Thorne is able to do. Right, right. Uh, obviously, the emphasis on passing the ball more, uh, running tempo in key scenarios. Uh, they went fast on a couple drive in the middle of a couple of drives yesterday. Uh, and it worked out for them. But, you know, one of the things that I didn't see, like, because they were scoring from so far out, red zone offense. Uh, we didn't get to see them run a lot of red zone offense yesterday because Jarquez was running it in from 40 yards out or whatever. Um, uh, did they build on anything? Did they build enough momentum going into Arkansas to go on the road at Arkansas? You know, and how do you see them stacking up versus – you know, a defense that held Mississippi State to three points. Well, no, no, seven points because they lost. They only scored three. But, you know, it's just, we know T. Will well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I don't know. Arkansas is a completely different animal than than what you just got in Nashville, right? right? Like, Fayetteville is going to be a different environment. Um, I'd feel, honestly, a lot better about that Arkansas game had Arkansas not pulled out their victory versus Florida. 
because I think that that team coming off of a bye is going to feel some sort of renewed energy around it, and then they get the win, so they feel a little bit better. Uh, but this game for me, and we'll definitely get into Arkansas a lot more, it's going to come more so down to if Auburn's going to play. I don't think Arkansas is going to, to be the thing. Auburn's going to have to not beat themselves versus Arkansas because Arkansas is basically – Florida should have won that game. One of the few games I watched, and we'll get into that when I say what did we see, Florida should have won that football game. Um, so Auburn's just going to have to not beat themselves. Mm, mm. All right. Well, look, uh, I I was happy that you got to go up there and cover that for us uh, in Nashville. Um, we appreciate you doing that work there. It was To me, it was just we're at the end of the season, and you're trying to find things to be positive about about what this team is doing while also facing the realities that you may not see significant change in the makeup of this team or the approach right. to the offense. Um, they didn't really, I, would you agree they didn't really do anything differently offensively? No. Yeah, this no. is the same no, offense, right? Yeah, there was no novel changes to this offense. I mean, there hasn't been. It's just been, I think, better decisions from the quarterback about run versus throw and then um, different approaches defensively. But no, Auburn's, Auburn's been playing the same offense all year. It's just different concentration on we're going to throw the ball a little bit more. And Peyton Thorne's actually letting it go. Guys are open and he's throwing the freaking football. That there's that's a big step in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. Definitely.